We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to talk about the Asbury Revival that's taking place at Asbury College in Asbury, Kentucky, right now as we speak. Some of you have been following this. What are we to make of it? Is this legit? Is it real? Or should we be skeptical? And should we feel guilty if we are asking questions? I'll deal with these questions and more on today's show. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to today's show. Thanks for listening in. Well, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble today because I'm going to comment on something that I've intentionally chosen to just let be for several days. It's the Asbury Revival that's taking place right now at Asbury, Kentucky, at Asbury College. It's been going on since February 8th. A chapel service started there, and it hasn't ended yet. Now, in my world, this is getting posted all over the place in social media, Facebook, Twitter, and whatnot, because I come out of the Wesleyan and the Free Methodist tradition. Asbury College is famous for a revival that took place there back in the 70s, and it swept across the nation, especially within the Christian college community and the holiness churches. And there's another revival going on right now. It started spontaneously back on February 8th. Asbury College still has required chapel services there, as did Oklahoma Wesleyan when I was president of that institution. In the Christian college tradition, Asbury College is very well known. And one of the jewels in its crown is this revival that took place back in the the 70s. So those people that were students then obviously are adults now. They're seniors, and they're recognizing as they look back that experience that uh, took place in their lives when they were young, it could be replicating itself again. In fact, they've been praying for it for years. The condition that our nation is in right now, many of us who identify as followers of Christ as Christians pray for revival. And nothing I say in this show today disparages that. And I also want to make clear, I don't know for sure what's going on at Asbury right now because I haven't been there. But I do think it's legitimate and wise and prudent and biblical for all of us to ask questions. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of us have been given the gift of discernment, and that means we're obligated to raise our hand and ask questions. In an interesting way, today's show kind of tags onto, if you will, builds upon a couple previous shows that I've done on fallacies. Now, some of you listening may be saying right now, you're getting way too rational. That's the problem with the apologetics movement. Y'all think yourself into oblivion at times, and you just don't rest in the spirit. I understand that, and I do think those of us who are more rational and cognitive in our temperament versus emotional need to be careful. We need to recognize that our gifts can be, our greatest strengths can become our greatest weaknesses, that our gifts can become a curse if we don't recognize that we need to use our gifts with humility 
and recognize that there's other members of there are other members of the body of Christ that can help balance those out. I'm the first to admit that. But I think it's also true on the converse side that those who are more prone to the emotional rather than the cognitive and the rational need to recognize the need for balance within the body of Christ there too. So today's show is going to be a critique, an overview. When I say critique, I don't mean criticism. Critique, an overview of the Asbury Revival. And I'm going to refer to a podcast, a YouTube um, uh, not a full podcast, just a quick a quick hit from Alyssa Childers, who I admire greatly, and I think many of you need to be listening to right now. Pull up her podcast. Listen to what she says. Trust but verify. Verify her spirit. Verify what she says biblically. And the balance and humility that she brings to the table when she talks about Christianity, the body of Christ and a worldview, and how those of us who claim to be Christians engage in the market square of ideas. So let's take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to play just a, a portion of what she has put out on YouTube with regard to the Asbury Revival, and then I'll give you my, my quick take on it at the end of the show. I'm Dr. Everett Piper. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance, and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. I'm going to say it one more time. I know that I'm going to get criticized by some, some of you listening right now, and many within my own church tradition, for what I'm going to say on this show today. I can hear it right now. I've heard it before. You're being too cognitive. You're being too rational. You're not being open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're, you're squashing, you're squelching the fire of the Holy Spirit with your own cognitive critique of his leading. I can hear it right now. I know it's coming. But I want everyone listening right now to recognize that there are biblical passages that help us understand and evaluate these types of things. And I also think we need to attend to other voices within the church, patient, kind voices such as those of Alyssa Childers. That's why I'm going to play this particular audio clip for you. 
in the next few minutes. Now, it's an 11-minute clip, so I'm not going to take the time to play the whole thing. I'm just going to play perhaps two or three minutes of it for you to listen to. And I know, I know that those of you who lean a charismatic, those of you who may lean Wesleyan or holiness in your, in your background, you're going to challenge this. But I'm asking you to back off a bit and just listen to what the Bible says and listen to what this sister in Christ is saying. Don't label me or her as, well, you're too Reformed. We suspected that you were a closet Calvinist or a closet Reformer all along. I know those two things can be interpreted differently, but you get my point right now. We suspected that because you always talked about biblical inerrancy, and you always talked about the objectivity of truth, and now your heirs, your intellectual heirs are coming home to roost. You're not even attending to, you're not even open to a revival that's led by the Holy Spirit at Asbury College in Asbury, Kentucky. I can hear it coming, but if you're tempted to go there in your response before you even hear me out and hear the rest of this show, I ask you to just keep your powder dry for a second or two here. First of all, I am not, nor is Alyssa Childers, saying that this revival is fake. I'm not saying that. I'm just asking questions. What's being revived? What was the message that led to this spontaneous ongoing chapel service that hasn't stopped for several days? What's at the core of it? What are people saying? If there is repentance, what are they repenting of? If there is confession, what are they confessing? These are questions we need to ask so that we understand the context and the content and the character, if you will, of this particular movement, this revival. What is being revived? Is it biblical Christianity? Is it confession? True biblical confession. If so, we need to see evidence of it in the message, in the words, in, in, in the actual content of this particular event. So with that as context, I want you to listen to what Alyssa Childers is saying in this audio clip. On Wednesday, February 8th, 2023, students from Asbury Seminary in Kentucky gathered for their chapel service. After a call to confession, one Christian news outlet reports that over 100 students fell to their knees and bowed at the altar. CBN reports that since then, it's turned into a Holy Spirit outpouring that shows no signs of stopping and also stated a revival is taking place. So this chapel service has continued for several days. Well, today is Monday, February 13th, and that chapel service is still going. So since Wednesday, people have traveled from all over the country to observe and even participate in what's going on at Asbury. Now, this has also gone viral on social media, and there are many people on one side of things affirming that this is a legitimate move of God, this is revival, uh, they're trying to stir things up in their own churches, and they're traveling there. I've even seen posts of people saying, hey, I was kind of skeptical, but I went and experienced it for myself, and I can tell you that this is of God, this is a revival, this is legit. Now, on the other side of things, you have people being very skeptical about what's happening happening. People saying that this is just experience-driven emotionalism, and we need to beware, and and they're warning against this type of thing. So that's kind of two very different reactions from Christian social media. Well, on Saturday night, I happened to be speaking at a women's conference about 20 minutes from Asbury Seminary. And so the next morning, that would be Sunday morning, I decided to just get in my car and go and check it out for myself and see what's going on. 
And so I want to I want to start by saying that I'm not against revival. I'm for revival, and I'm not against the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not against charismatics. Um, but uh, you know, I always want to test all things. So I, I just I had an open heart, but I wanted to be discerning. So I walked into the chapel, and the way we found it was a student was walking out, and she helped us find where to go. And she had told me that in the mornings it's a little slower, kind of gains steam later in the afternoon. So when I walked in, there was maybe 20 or 30 people scattered throughout the chapel. Uh, People were either sitting quietly or talking to one another. There was a young woman on the stage with a guitar singing songs, and I don't even think she was amplified. She was just up there singing, and uh, most people were not singing along. They were just sort of sitting quietly. And so I found a seat and I sat and just sat there for a little while. I closed my eyes. I prayed. I said, Lord, give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear and wisdom to discern truth. Now, I'll give you my own subjective feeling, and that is that it felt very sweet. There was nothing weird going on. It was very calm. Uh, It felt very similar to what I experience at churches across the country every Sunday uh, who are waiting with expectation for a service to start. So there's nothing unusual about that. I did not encounter any sort of um, powerful force that some people are describing. Um, Just this is my subjective feelings. And this is why it's important we don't trust our feelings, right? We have to discern through our feelings. Um, So what I hope, that's really it. So after I sat there for a few minutes um, and prayed and kind of took in what was happening, um, I went ahead and went back to the hotel to pick up my family so we could come back to Nashville. So the point of making this video is because here's what I'd like to do. Uh, as, as far as I can judge, um, I have no reason to think that God isn't working something really beautifully in the hearts of the students at Asbury. I've had experiences like that, uh, especially when I was younger. Um, I'll be honest with you, coming from a bit of a charismatic background, I've seen this type of thing a lot. So I will admit to you my bias that I come to it with a bit of skepticism because I can't tell you how many 24-hour uh, worship services I took part in and 24-hour, you know, quote-unquote revivals and things like that, were, which really were more just experience-driven. Uh, and But I have no reason to think that what God is working in these students is not real. So that's not really the point of making this video. The point of making this video is that I do have three concerns with how it's been responded to, okay? And the first one is how we define revival. The second one is the social media component. And the third one is the vulnerability when something like this happens, the vulnerability of it being co-opted by something else. Okay. So let's just go through these concerns one by one. I am very concerned, number one, about how we define revival. If this Asbury revival is real, if it's something God is really doing, then there will be long-term lasting fruit. And that's not actually something we can judge right now. So I think it's a little bit, um, premature to say revival has broken out because we don't know that yet. This could be experience driven. It could just be people um, wanting to come together and sing and pray. And I think that's wonderful that I'd much rather college students want to gather in their chapel and sing and pray than go party at a bar. Okay. So I'm not down on that, but um, I want to be really careful how we define revival. And what I'd like to do is share a story from the old Testament about King Josiah. Okay. First, I want to ask this question again. In listening to her, do you do you hear any tone of ill will? Do you hear any arrogance? Or do you feel, feel, okay? I use that word intentionally right now. Not just rationalize, but do you feel that this is a woman who's trying to be helpful, who's trying to be a solution rather than be a problem? Do you feel that she's bringing humility? 
and a contrite heart to this discussion. And therefore, do you think that this is, this is something that the body of Christ should attend to, or should it be discarded and dismissed just because she's asking a good question? Obviously, I have a bias here. I think we should listen to her and people like her. And I don't think they should be disparaged or maligned just because they're saying, wait a second, I'd like to ask a question here. If we're claiming there's revival, isn't it legitimate for us to ask what's being revived and what's being repented of? Because revival always comes with repentance. Revival always comes with confession. Why do I say that? Go to the book of 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23. This is a story about King Josiah, who became king at eight years of age. Why? Because his dad was assassinated. The people killed him because he was a very evil king. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and therefore he was punished for it. And then Josiah becomes king at eight years of age. And uh, when he's about 16, apparently because he had a soft heart before the Lord, rather than an evil heart, a hardened heart, he decided that it was time to restore the temple. And in the restoration process, one of his priests finds a book that had been lost. And that's a very telling statement in and of itself. The, the book of the Lord, the Bible at the time, had apparently been ignored by the culture at the time to the extent that they didn't even know where the book was. Talk about the Bible sitting on your bookshelf and collecting dust and never cracking it open to read it. This is the extreme example of that. King Josiah was stunned with what he heard. He apparently had not heard this before. He had grown up in an evil culture with an evil king where the people, the people of God, had discarded the word, ignored the word, ignored the Bible. They left it on the coffee table, so to speak, collecting dust, never bothered to even open the thing up and read it. And when one of the priests actually does read these words before the king, he's broken. He's humbled. He breaks down in repentance and confession. He tears his clothes. And he immediately takes action to confess the sins of the people and his own sins openly. He goes across the country tearing down the idols, and the altars to other gods. He confesses and he repents of the sin of worshiping other gods such as Baal. He tears down the Asherah poles. He, he condemns the child sacrifice that the people had been practicing to the god Moloch. I mean, this is what he does. The confession and the repentance and the consequent behavior of confession and repentance is explicit. There is no confusion here in this story. It's not just an emotional high where we're going deeper and wider. That's one of the quotes that I've seen in a social media post coming out of Asbury right now. Is there anything wrong with being deeper and wider in your relationship with God? No, but what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that statement come with true confession? True repentance of the worship of the gods, the false gods of our time? Does it come with true confession and true repentance for the child sacrifice that we've been practicing, i.e. abortion? Does it come with true repentance and true confession of LGBTQIA and the complete degradation of the human being and the embracement of sin as the definition of who you are, that you're defined by your libido rather than the Lord Jesus Christ? Does this revival come with that brokenness and that confession and that repentance? Are students at Asbury College confessing their homosexuality and their repentance 
is the repentance of that. I know for a fact that in recent surveys, 16% of the students at Asbury College have said that they're identifying as LGBTQIA. And you may be stunned to hear about th- hear that, but that would be true across the country because over 20% of millennials and Gen Zers now define themselves by the rainbow. So should you be stunned to find out that they're defining themselves that way at a Christian college? No. But are they confessing that? Are they repenting of that? Are they saying that this has been unbiblical of us to go down that path? Are they confessing the racism of critical theory? Are they confessing the Marxism and the violation of one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet, that is implicit in the neo-Marxist agenda? It encourages you. It celebrates coveting. It places it as one of the foremost agendas of the political march for humanity. Are they confessing these things? Or are they just playing their guitar and having a moment, an emotional moment that is deeper and wider? Now again, my questions are not to imply that I've been there and I know all the answers, but the questions are legitimate and good. And I think I'm asking the same questions that Alyssa Childers is asking in her brief little YouTube post. So I want to read to you what I what I said privately to one of my friends that I respect highly. This is not a criticism. I just said, and I'm going to change his name here to protect the innocent. I said, Bob, I'm curious, does anyone know what the message was that led to this revival at Asbury? I think that's a critical question. In other words, what exactly is being revived? What is the message? What's the content of this entire movement? It has to be driven by a message. The message of Josiah was he heard the Bible and he confessed the sins of his people as well as his own sins, and he tore down the idols to the false gods of his time. In our times, I can't help but ask the question, this question, even if I stand alone in asking it, is this revival a revival of the authority of the Bible, all of it, over the believer's life? Is this a revival that condemns the Gnosticism, the blatant Gnosticism? of the affirming church? Is this a revival of personal repentance? Or or is it one of existential elevation? Now, I make it clear in my comment to my friend Bob, I sure hope the answers are unequivocal. I pray it is one where the students and the faculty alike are confessing their worship of the woke gods and turning instead in fear and trembling to the one true God. Uh, Now, he goes on and says, Okay, I, I understand your questions. Um, he does mention to me that he's checked into it himself and that he's convinced that it's real. But he's the one that brings up to me that he knows from some research that's been done recently that 16% of the students at Asbury identify as LGBTQIA. That's compared to the national number among Gen Z as 22%. So his point is kind of the same as Alyssa Childers, and that is, If there is evidence in the days ahead where people have confessed that and repented of that and the number goes down, those that are identifying as LGBTQIA goes down, then there there indeed has been true revival. And I think that's a legitimate point. Is there evidence coming out of any revival, whether it be at Asbury or your church or any place else, any place in our culture, that the Asherah poles are being torn down and destroyed, that the sacrifice of our children to Moloch has been confessed and repented of? Is there evidence that the worship of the false gods of the rainbow 
LGBTQIA, this Gnosticism of our time where we dumb down the definition of the Imago Dei to the Imago Dog. Are we confessing that? Or is it a revival that's driven by the confession of uh, social justice sins? You know, the sins of not letting people flood across our borders because, uh, you know, after all, Jesus and Mary and Joseph were refugees. You know, that false argument that doesn't even acknowledge the fact that in Hebrew, the very words for Jesus and Mary and Joseph were not the same words that are being used today to define refugee. I've talked to you about that before. Jesus and Mary and Joseph were legal. <laughs> they were not illegal immigrants. Again, can we use that word, or are we going to fall, fall into line with Cornell and declare the word illegal illegal? And I think that maybe that's a good point that I've stumbled into here. Are they confessing that lunacy and that nonsense, that sin, that arrogance of redefining words in our own image rather than accepting the objective definition of all words as given to us by God and defined by the word made flesh and dwelling among us? So my point is this, as in the days of King Josiah, if there isn't massive, if not complete repentance of worshiping the false gods of our time, the Mullocks, the Baals, the Ashrapoles of our day, if there isn't massive, if not universal, repudiation of the LGBTQIA, SJW, BLM, CRT gods, as well as the gods of human sacrifice, i.e. abortion, and the gods of climate change and climate worship, uh, i.e. Gaia, uh, the, the Mother Earth, then I'm, I've got to conclude that this might be anything but revival. Now, do I know that to be true? No, I do not. I have not been there. But the reason I continue to ask the question is I don't see much out there, if anything, yet, where people are ask, actually posting the sermon, the message that led to this revival and the student's response to that given message. In the story of Josiah, there was a message. It was the reading of the book of God. It was the reading of the Bible that convicted King Josiah and thus led to the confession and the repentance of the entire nation. There was a message that preceded and served as the context for the revival. What is the message that serves as the pretext, the context, the foundation for this revival coming out of Asbury? I'm not seeing that. I want to know. Because the response that we're seeing needs to be in context. Context is always king. What is the confession that we see or the repentance that we see? What are they confessing? What message led to it? What words, what sermon, what challenge, what chastisement, what Bible verses led to this revival and the repentance, if there is any? I want to know. And I think we all should know, and it's not wrong for us to ask. Now, I've seen revival at other colleges this, that I've been part of. And, and, and there, there are some situations where I've felt, no, this doesn't, my gift of discernment is telling me to be careful. This is groupthink, and this is putting social pressure on a bunch of 18 to 20-year-olds. Um, there seems to be a bit of manipulation here. Again, is that happening at Asbury? I don't know. I pray that it's not. 
don't lose your mind and tell me <laughs> that somehow I'm speaking against revival. I'm not speaking against it any more than Alyssa Childers is, and she's asking good questions. Um, there have been times where I've watched this stuff, and she kind of implied this in her audio clip that I played for you. I've seen this happen over and over again where there's a ginned-up emotional existentialism rather than a universal confession and repentance. I hate to be so skeptical and jaundice, but I just have to ask. Now, I'm trying to keep my powder dry. Now, maybe I violated that and actually fired a shot here. But again, I want you to hear me as we wrap up this show. I'm not judging the revival as being false. I'm asking questions, and I'm encouraging everyone else who's who's posting this stuff and jumping on the bandwagon to ask legitimate questions. Like Ronald Reagan said, trust, yes, trust, but verify. I don't think that's an inappropriate way for us to look at all of life, including these, these good things, these apparent good things that come out of the church. Trust, yeah, but verify. Test all things, as Alyssa Childers says. Th that's what you're obligated to do. It's not wrong to wonder. What exactly is being revived? What message led to this particular movement? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.